our Bibles to Romans chapter 4, please. Romans chapter, ooh, that's loud. I need to turn that down a bit, or else I'll blast you all the way. Romans chapter 4, we're going to read the first 12 verses of Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4, verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. What say the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man under whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will, impute, will not impute sin. Come with this blessedness then upon the circumcision only, or upon the uncircumcision also, for we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. How was it then reckoned? when he was in circumcision or in uncircumcision. Not in circumcision, but in uncircumcision. And he received the sign of circumcision, the seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had yet been uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe. They, they, they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them also. And the father of the circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but also but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, which he, hath, uh, which he had had been yet uncircumcised. Let's pray. Uh, father, we do thank you this night for the privilege of being together. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for giving it to us. We thank you that, Lord, in it we can find precious truths. And as we look at uh, your word again tonight, may we uh, be reminded of some of the blessed truths of your word or even uh, may we learn something about your word that we hadn't seen before. But Lord, above all, may we once again reflect upon the goodness of God and the goodness of our Savior. And may we rejoice tonight and may we leave singing your praise. Lord, give me wisdom, I pray, this evening to have clarity of thought and just give me that clarity of speech that father your word might be a blessing to our hearts as we study your word together we'll be sure to give you all the praise and all the glory in jesus name amen you know one of the surest things in the word of god is that salvation is all of god and none of us therefore have anything to boast about you and i have no reason to glory in our salvation, except for the fact that it's all of God. Like Paul, the only thing that we can glory in is the glory of the cross of Christ. For without Calvary, you and I wouldn't be saved. 
There's no merit with any, any of us that would provoke God to save us. And here in Romans chapter 4, Paul explains this to us by making clear that even the great Abraham had nothing to glory in save the cross. For he was justified by faith and not works. When Paul shows that the divine justification comes by faith and not by works, the first response that a Jew would have given to Paul in his day is, what about Abraham? And until Paul has dealt with uh, this matter of Abraham, until Paul has dealt with Abraham, he can make no headway uh, with the Jewish pe people that he was speaking to. And Paul must therefore explain how Abraham was justified which he does in chapter 4 of the book of Romans. And the first thing he does for you and I is he introduces the subject. So I want you to note with me tonight, firstly, or note with me completely tonight, we're just going to have a look at the first aspect of this chapter, the introduction in verses 1 and 2. He says, What shall we say then that Abraham our father, as pertaining the flesh, hath found? begins this question by uh, this section by asking a question what shall we say then that Abraham our father as pertaining the flesh hath found or to put it another way he says what then shall we say about Abraham what about this matter of Abraham this is the sticking point for the Jews so what about this matter of Abraham how was Abraham justified now this is a continuation of the thought of the previous chapter. As you know, the chapter divisions were added later on. They weren't added at the time of the writing of the book of Romans. They were added later. And so the thought of chapter 3 flows into chapter 4. In chapter 3, in verse 31, he'd asked this question. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. What shall we say then about Abraham? He asked the question, do we make void the law through faith? Or to put it another way, does the idea of justification through faith, apart from the works of the law, make what God did and said in the Old Testament irrelevant? To which he answers, God forbid. The Old Testament is important. In fact, the law is important. Everything that God taught us in the Old Testament is important. And of course, he explained that in chapter 3. Uh, where he's explained to us the importance of the law and what the law was designed for was to demonstrate that you and I are sinners before a holy God to bring us unto Christ. And he now builds upon that thought here in chapter 4 by looking at this patriarch, this great man, Abraham. He was the most esteemed man amongst the Jews in Paul's day. And he may well still be amongst the Jews today. And so he asked, what shall we say then about Abraham? And he adds the phrase at the end there, as pertaining the flesh hath found. Well, what has Abraham found as pertaining the flesh? Now the word flesh here refers to the works of the flesh or to human activity, fleshly works. And the Jew held that justification or salvation must come by the works of the law, the works of the flesh, fleshly works. And so what Paul is going to do is going to discuss this very point 
using Abraham as the example so that he might explain to them that fleshly works, keeping the law, cannot save. And so he asked, what has Abraham found? What did Abraham get by human activity? What did Abraham get by fleshly works? What was the result of Abraham's godly walk? Now it's true, Abraham did good works. And the apostle wants to make sure they understand this. But what did Abraham get from all that work? What did he get from the fleshly work? What did he get from human activity? If you'd been a Jew in Paul's day, you would have answered him that Abraham received at least three things. If, I'd have, if Paul had gone to a Jew in that day, if we'd been with him and he'd asked this question... What has Abraham found? What did Abraham get from human activity? What did he get from fleshly works? They would have said three things, at least three things. They would have said he got righteousness. Because we know the Bible says that Abraham was righteous. They would have said he got an inheritance, which is Genesis 15 and verse 7. Let's go back there, please. Genesis chapter 15 and verse 7. And he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of the Ur of the Chaldees, uh, Ur of the Chaldees, to give thee this land to inherit it. So Abraham was promised an inheritance. That's the, the land of promise. And not only that, he was promised posterity. That he would be a father of many nations. Look in chapter 17 of Genesis and verse 4. As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. These three things the Jews said Abraham had obtained by the works of the flesh. Now there's no doubt that these things are true. Abraham indeed was declared righteous by God. Abraham did indeed gain an inheritance, the land. And Abraham indeed was the father of many nations. So there's no doubt about this. These questions, these answers to this question are true. The question is, how did Abraham obtain these things? How did he get these three things? And it's the answer to that question that will sell the whole matter of how we're justified. If Paul can demonstrate that Abraham received these things because of his faith, not because of his works, then it will settle this matter with regard to justification by works or by faith. And so Paul is going to show how Abraham obtained his righteousness, his inheritance, and his posterity apart from the works of the flesh. And Paul's discussion on this matter will form the outline of this chapter, chapter 4. The chapter starts with an introduction in verses 1 and 2, which is what we're looking at tonight. Secondly, he deals with Abraham's righteousness in Romans chapter 4, verses 3 through 12, which we'll look at next week. Thirdly, he deals with Abraham's inheritance, chapter 4, verses 13 to 16, which we'll look at the next time I get to preach on Romans. Fourthly, he deals with Abraham's posterity in chapter 4, verses 17 to 21. And then he closes with an application, personal application for you and I, 
in Romans chapter 4, verses 23 to 25. So it's a really neat breakdown. In fact, you know, it's uh, one of those gems when you come to pairing a series of messages that the outline's given for you uh, by the question, the answer to the question of the, of the Jewish people to the question, out of Abraham, what would Abraham get from the works of the flesh? They say these three things, his righteousness, his, poster, his inheritance, his posterity, and the, Paul says, well, we're going to go now and look at that in this chapter. And so we will explore those things. But for tonight, let's go back to the introduction. Because we notice, first of all here, in the introduction, that Abraham was not justified by righteous works. Look in verse 2. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. You know, there is no doubt that Abraham did many great works in the flesh. You know, in this flesh and blood, Abraham did some great things. You know, he left the Ur of the Chaldees according to the will of God in Genesis chapter 12. That was a great work. That was something mighty to leave family and friend uh, from the Ur of the Chaldees and set off to a land which God had not shown him. God had just simply said, start walking. Hebrews tells us that. He went out knowing not whither he went. And so he leaves the Ur of the Chaldees and heads out towards... Israel, but doesn't know where he's going initially. And that was a great act on behalf of Abraham. It was something he did by faith, that's true, but it was something he had to do in the flesh. Another thing he did, he gave Lot his choice of land. In Genesis chapter 13, verse 8 through 11, remember, they got to the land and he looks out upon the land, and the, this land is beautiful to one side with green, lush pastures and everything else, and the other side's not so wonderful. And he says to Lot, you choose. Lot chooses the best land, Abraham has to settle for the other, but that was a great work in the flesh. He also refused an alliance with a wicked king in Genesis 14, verses 17 to 24, when he has to go and rescue Lot. A wicked king offers his assistance, and Abraham refuses another great act in the flesh. And that's just to name three, and there's lots more of the acts that Abraham did in his life, in this body, that indeed were good works. And the Jews knew well of his works. And if you were to talk to them about Abraham, they could have listed for you all the good things that Abraham did. They would list them off one by one for you. Because Abraham indeed was a great man. But Romans chapter 4 and verse 2 states that if Abraham has been justified by works, by these works, these works in the flesh, then he could glory. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory. Abraham could have walked around with his chest out and just boasting about how great he was and what he'd accomplished and, and uh, he could glory in the flesh. And you know, the truth is, if anyone could be justified by works, they would have something to boast about. Could you imagine it? Here is believer A and he can list off his works and he says, this is what I've done. And believer B says, ah, yes, but I can top that. Here's my list of works. 
Believer C says, oh, well, I can top that. Here's my list of works. And then there's me with my list of works, you know, and I look at those and think, wow. But you'd be able to boast. Could you imagine what it would be like at church, the bragamonia that go on? Can you imagine testimony time when people started to brag about all the wonderful things they did to get to heaven? If you could just be justified by works. But God makes it clear here in verse 2 that all such boasting is nothing before God. Because at the end of the verse he says, but not before God. This boasting is nothing before God because even if words could justify a man, he would still, in some way, fall short of the glory of God. Isn't that what Romans 3.23 says? For all of sin that comes short of the glory of God. So even if works could justify you, you and I could not do sufficient works to be justified. You and I would strive all of our lives, but because you and I are sinners, we'd still fall short for all of sin and come short of the glory of God. This boasting is nothing before God because every pretense before God is stripped away. And it's evident that no one can really be justified by works. Go back to Romans chapter 3, please, and verse 10. As is written, there is none righteous, none at one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And of course, verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. God's word's emphatic that even if you and I could be justified by works, then you and I could not do sufficient works to be saved because we are all sinners. There is none righteous, no, not one. We've all sinned to come short of the glory of God. So now let's go back to Abraham. Because you and I must understand that many of the works that Abraham did were indeed good works. Okay, If anybody could have been justified by works, Abraham is a classic example. He left the earth of the Chaldees. He, uh, in the land, he gave the best land to Lot, and he refused to uh, partner a wicked king to deliver Lot. This man was a good man. And if anybody could have been justified by works, Abraham is a classic example. But God has just said, if Abraham was justified by works, then he could boast because of his righteous works. Yet, from God's point of view, he had no reason to boast. Look again in verse 2. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath wear of the glory, but not before God. So here's the crux of the matter. Even the great Abraham... Even this man who is a a standing example of righteousness, even the great Abraham could not be justified by works before a holy God. Because you see, while Abraham did good works, he was also guilty of unrighteous ones also. 
for all of his righteousness, for all of his good works, for all the things that Abraham did, Abraham was a man just like you and I, and he sinned against God. Remember? What about lying about his relationship with Sarah in Genesis chapter 12 when they were down in Egypt? Remember that? And said that she's my sister, didn't reveal that she was his wife, which brought all that terror upon the king because of his deceit. Now, it's true, she was his half-sister, so he only told half a lie, but he sinned. You know, as my dad used to say, to steal a pin is as great a sin as to steal a thousand pounds. That was the phrase, and that's exactly what Abraham did. He sinned. He only told half the truth. He didn't tell the king he was married to Sarah. What about enacting an unbelief with Hagar? God had told him that he was going to have a son by his wife Sarah. Remember the story? They, he went, they, they went and told him, and Sarah laughed at the tent, and, and the whole thing uh, was told him. But what did he do? He lacked the faith to believe in God and he had a relationship with Hagar because Sarah said, maybe God intends for you to have a son via Hagar and so he does and he ends up with Ishmael. He sinned against God. Even this great man, this righteous man, this godly man, this man that the Israelites hold up as a prime example of someone who can be justified by works, in the sight of God, he was not righteous. He couldn't glory in his works. He couldn't be justified by works before a holy God because no matter how great Abraham was, no matter how righteous he was before men, and no matter how righteous he appeared before mankind, he was no different to all of mankind. All have sinned. That includes Abraham. In fact, like all mankind, he stands guilty before an almighty God because one offense is sufficient to condemn man to hell. Isn't that what James chapter 2 and verse 10 tells us? If you keep the whole law and offend in one point, you're guilty of all? Well, Abraham broke at least two of those. He told a lie, and he had relationships with Hagar that he shouldn't have had. Plus, if you scour the Old Testament, you find that Abraham did some things that really weren't Righteous. It's true that Abraham did righteous acts. But from God's point of view, he had no reason to boast because he was a sinner like you and me. And for that reason, none of us has a reason to boast. Because we're all guilty. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. No matter how righteous we've been, no matter how uh, faithful we've been, uh, in doing right things, it cannot justify us because all of us are sinners before a holy God. doesn't matter how young or old we are, we are declared by God to be sinners. And even Abraham is a sinner, and that's Paul's point here. Understand this, he's telling the Jew in particular, understand this, that even the great Abraham cannot boast in his works because before a holy God, they are not sufficient to save him because Abraham is a sinner. And so last time that our justification is all of God. Look in verse 24 of Romans chapter 3. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. 
whom God hath set forth with propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him that believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Justification is by faith without the deeds of the law. Now it seems like Paul is repeating himself in chapter 4, but he's really giving us a clear example, just in case there's any doubt left, as to the fact that you and I are justified by grace through faith, and by no other means, he's illustrating it to us clearly in the book of in Romans chapter 4 through Abraham. You see, Paul understood that we were justified by grace through faith. And we know that Paul cared nothing for the glory that came from fame. So he said in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 14, he said, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. You know, the Apostle Paul cared nothing for the glory that came from riches. He cared nothing for the glory that came from status and power. He cared about the glory of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Spurgeon commenting on this said this, What did he mean, however, by the cross? Of course he cared nothing for the particular piece of wood to which, our blessed to which those blessed hands and feet were nailed. For that was mere materialism and has perished out of mind. He means the glorious doctrine of justification, free justification through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He gloried in the finished work of Christ. And like Paul, and like Abraham, you and I have nothing to glory in, in our works, for our justification came about by Calvary and Calvary alone. Therefore, you and I need a glory in the cross. Glory in what Christ did for us at Calvary. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad that my justification is not dependent upon my works. I'm glad my justification is predicated and dependent upon the finished work of Christ on Calvary, and that by faith in him, I receive the grace of God, and I am gloriously saved. Now we know that if Abraham was justified, then it was not by works. But we also know that there is no doubt that Abraham was justified. Because Romans 4.2 makes that clear. It makes it clear that Abraham was indeed justified. Look what it says, it says, For if Abraham were justified by works, if Abraham were justified by works, th this implies that he was justified. Okay? There's no question about Abraham's justification here. Paul's not questioning, was Abraham justified? Okay? This is a given. He is justified. The question is not, was Abraham justified? The question is, what is the means of that justification? You know, God would not have chosen Abraham and blessed him through the Abrahamic covenant unless he stood as a righteous man before God. God wouldn't have done what he did for Abraham if Abraham was unsaved. 
Abraham was indeed justified. So Paul asked the question, how then was Abraham justified? How was Abraham declared righteous? Well, for that answer, Paul takes us back to the Old Testament in verse 3. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. For what saith the scripture? What does the scripture say about this? The Old Testament did not say that Abraham was declared righteous because of his works. In fact, let's go back to Genesis chapter 15, please, and let's read what it indeed does say about Abraham and his justification. Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6. Uh, let's pick it up in verse uh, three And Abram said, Behold to me, thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is, is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven, and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Abraham believed in the Lord, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Paul makes it clear that Abraham's righteousness did not come from his performance of good works, but from his belief in God. What does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. That's what Genesis 15, 6 declares. It was a righteousness that was obtained through faith. You know, generally speaking, the Jewish teachers of Paul's day believed that Abraham was justified by his works. They used Abraham as an example of someone who kept the law. They held him up as someone who was justified by keeping the law of God. Now think about that for a moment. When did the law come? Okay, it came with Moses. Uh, who came first, Abraham or Moses? Well, Abraham, in fact, Moses was quite a few hundred years later. Okay, But Abraham is held up as the man who was justified by the works of the flesh, by keeping the law. So this is what an ancient passage says from the rabbis about Abraham. We find that Abraham, our father, had performed the whole law before it was given. And Abraham was perfect in all his deeds with the law. The rabbis argued that Abraham kept the law perfectly even before it was given in that he kept it by intuition or anticipation. He's a really good man, this man Abraham. He knew what God was going to write down the law before God wrote it down. And he knew it by intuition. I knew I'd get that word wrong. By intuition and by anticipation. He kept the law perfectly before the law was given. Now I don't know where they were reading all this because when you read the Old Testament, it doesn't say that. And when you read Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6, it says that he was justified by faith. Abraham believed the Lord, 
and he can, God counted it to him for righteousness. That's Paul's point here in Romans chapter 4 and verse 3, where he quotes from Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6. Paul wanted to make it clear that, that it was Abraham's faith that brought about his salvation, that God declared him righteous to be righteous because he believed God. As we've already seen, Abraham was not perfectly righteous in his conduct. He sinned. And Paul had previously proved that no one can just be justified by keeping the law. That's Romans chapter 3. And if Abraham was declared righteous on the basis of works, he would be able to glory. And no one could glory before the Lord. Because no glory would be given to God by someone who's doing works in unrighteousness. So Romans 4.3 and Genesis 15.6 firmly and emphatically state that righteousness came to Abraham by belief, nothing more. Because if it was earned, then it would no longer be grace. And that's the point Paul's going to make in Romans chapter 4. That if this justification was earned, if this righteousness was earned by works, that it's no longer of grace. That's why he says in Romans 4, 5, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. But verse 4 is just as important. It says this, Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. If you want to have grace put upon your account, if you want the reward to come to you by grace, then it has to be without works. Because if it was earned by good works, that's no longer grace. Isn't that what Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says? For by grace you're saved through faith. Not of yourselves, is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It has to be all of grace. So we read in Ephesians, in Romans 4, 3, Abraham believed God, and it was this faith that was counted for righteousness. And we're going to explore that next week. Because Romans chapter 4, verses 3 through 12, explores this point that Abraham was justified by faith. But in this introduction that Paul has given us here in verses 1 and 2, it's declared to you and I that Abraham was justified because of Calvary. Because his faith in God. And like Abraham, and like the Apostle Paul, we have nothing to glory in save the cross. Because you and I are justified by faith, not works. If you and I are saved, we're saved by grace, not by works. And when we read passages like this about Abraham, it ought to cause you and I to rejoice that we have a God who loved us sufficiently to send his son to die for us so that you and I can be partakers of the grace of God by faith and faith alone. That you and I are declared righteous because of our faith in Christ. You and I are justified 
because of our faith in Christ. And you and I have nothing to boast about save the cross because of of Calvary that you and I are saved. I trust that's whetted your appetite for the rest of Romans chapter 4. Because uh, as I studied it out this week, I was going to try and do all 12 verses. Then as I got thinking about it, I thought, well, the easiest way is to give you the introduction to this. And hopefully you'll come back next week and we can start getting right into it. And we can whet our appetites for the truth about Abraham and his salvation. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We do thank you for uh, this introduction to this wonderful chapter of Romans chapter 4, which has some wonderful verses, some classic truths and some precious promises, Father. We do pray that, Lord, as we explore uh, chapter 4 of the book of Romans, that you would stir our hearts and encourage us through its truth. And, Lord, we thank you tonight that we are saved by grace through faith. And it's not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And may we just sing about the grace of God and praise you day by day that it's because of Calvary that we are saved. Commend your word to our hearts tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We were going to sing Saved by Grace, but um, one of my grandsons picked up.